Well, uh, I think it was maybe uh, last month, one of the songs we sang here at, at uh, 1045 service was an old hymn, How Great Thou Art. You remember that one? Some of, some of you do? And, uh, you know, we, we love to sing that, but I can also tell you there were probably a, a few tears in the crowd because the thing we think of when we sing uh, How Great Thou Art for a lot of us is the funeral of a loved one where, where that uh, hymn was sung. And uh, the scripture that we're most likely to hear at a funeral is what? 23rd Psalm. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so it, for some of you, it might have some of those same connotations. It might feel a little funeralish to be talking about the 23rd Psalm. But it's also, we use it for those, for those funerals because it carries such deep meaning to us. Every time we go hear it or go through it, it somehow speaks to us. Uh, if you are new here at Faith Westwood, um, I want you to know we've been going through uh, some of the Psalms of the Bible, and we'll continue to do that through the end of March. Uh, today also happens to be the first Sunday in, in Lent, which is that six weeks uh, leading up to Easter. And I would encourage all of you to uh, set a goal for yourself in terms of reading scripture during Lent um, and over, over these six weeks. Uh, some of us are using Brian Russell's book on the Psalms. It's kind of a five-day-a-week devotional uh, commentary on the Psalms, and that is great. Um, some of you say, well, that doesn't really fit for me, or I don't have one of those books. I would say read one of the Gospels during Lent. That'd be a great Lenten uh, uh, practice to establish. And by the way, if you start today and read uh, a chapter a day in the Gospels, you could, you could read Mark's Gospel and any one of the others and finish before Easter. Okay? Maybe that's what will work for you. Some of you uh, will say, well, I don't know about that. I don't think I'm much of a Bible reader. Here, try this. Watch the Jesus film. The Jesus film is based on Luke's gospel, um, and uh, it is the most watch, watched movie in the world. Did you know that? And it's on YouTube for free. Or you can go to JesusFilm.org. Uh, uh, in addition, I have just ordered the, the first season of a new video series called The Chosen. It is a drama designed to help us see Jesus through the eyes of his followers. So uh, it hasn't come yet, but when it does, I think Trisha and I will probably watch those eight episodes of season one uh, during Lent. By the way, if you want to check it out, the first season is also on YouTube. Or excuse me, the first episode is on YouTube, plus a few little clips of some of the others. Uh, or you can go to thechosen.tv. So enough of that. Now let's uh, open our Bibles to Psalm uh, 23. Uh, if you're using the uh, Pew Bible, it's on page 548. And if, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, then let's just make sure that you do before you leave here today. Uh, after worship, you can head to the Connection Center right next to the elevator and then uh, pick one up, and then you'll have one. You can read Psalm 23 at home, okay? So... Verse 1 uses a metaphor to talk about God. The Lord is my what? My shepherd. I don't know of any other passage in the Bible that's been adopted and adapted 
like the 23rd Psalm. People are constantly rewriting it, plugging in their own metaphors. For example, the Lord is my AA sponsor. The Lord is my gardener. The Lord is my counselor. The Lord is my real estate agent. I don't know what that one's about. The Lord is my coach. Well, today we're going to stick with the original uh, Psalm 23 because it has some very important things to tell us about God, who God is. I grew up uh, going to a church, uh, the Cedar Hill United Methodist Church. Uh, it, and this rural church has two, that's not me, I don't think, uh, two large stained glass windows, one on the west and one on the east. And uh, this is one of them. Uh, I, I cannot imagine how many, I, 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 that, that, that window, I don't know how many times as a kid I looked up at that. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of times. And I, I kind of pondered it and studied it and wondered what the background story of it was. And I wondered, why are those sheep purple? You know? But, but, but the image of the Lord as a shepherd is not just from the 23rd Psalm. It runs throughout Scripture. Uh, Ezekiel 34, God promises to uh, shepherd his people following their exile. God says, I will search for my sheep and look after them. Luke 15, uh, Jesus says that God is like a shepherd who, when he loses one of his sheep, leaves the 99 to find it. And when he finds that lost sheep, he carries it home on his shoulders and, and rejoicing. Uh, uh, John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then, of course, our scripture for today, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm guessing that this psalm was either uh, written by uh, King David or it was inspired by David, this, this shepherd who became a king. So let's walk through Psalm 23, uh, verse by verse. And my, my purpose in this is that You'll learn enough about Psalm 23 that when you read it at home, and I hope you'll do that again today, when you read it at home, it'll have great, greater meaning and, and weight for you. Uh, so notice right away, it doesn't say the Lord, notice how personal this psalm is. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd or the shepherd or even our shepherd. It says the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is in charge of my life. Of course, uh, the shepherd cares for the whole flock. And yet within that flock, each individual sheep is cared for. And, and because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The King James Version says, I shall not want, meaning I want for nothing. I, I have everything I need. And you know, that's what the job of a shepherd is. Uh, to make sure the sheep have everything they need to stay alive and to thrive. You know, we, we live in a world where 
you know, it just keeps telling us that we need more, we need this, we need that. And it's just so countercultural to say, I lack nothing. I have all I need. Uh, Jesus' followers are told in 1 Timothy 6, verse 8, if we have food and clothing, then we will be content with that. And yet, this psalmist, the psalmist here in Psalm 23 seems to speak of an abundance, at least of the basics. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Those, those green pastures and quiet wa waters represent full stomachs for the sheep. They are well satisfied. I can imagine those sheep after they got their stomachs full, they are lying down, on, you know, in that green grass uh, for a nice long nap in the sun. Now, as Christians, we also read Psalm 23 as a picture of Jesus. So here's what we can say. Jesus takes the lead and meets my need. Let's say it together, shall we? Jesus takes the lead and meets my need. Uh, it makes me think of the time when uh, the crowds, they followed Jesus to this very remote area. I mean, there's not any other places you can get food. And, and, uh, and it's, the, it's Mark uh, 6.34 says, He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And as the sun was getting low, Jesus had all the people sit down on the green grass, just kind of like the sheep, right? And then he multiplied the food, the loaves and the fishes, and it says they all ate and were satisfied. He was their shepherd. In verse 3, the psalmist says, he refreshes my soul. And in Bible lingo, I want you to know your soul is not something inside you. Your soul is you, body, mind, and spirit. And because of the Lord's care, your life is sustained. Now, the rest of verse 3 says, He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. And if you're a sheep, you trust your shepherd to guide you on the right paths, right? To, to guide you on the paths to food and to water. And we trust uh, the Lord to guide us along the right paths, the right paths of justice and faithfulness and holiness. And why does he guide us along those paths? It says, for his name's sake. You were here last Sunday, you might remember that when the Bible talks about the name of God, it especially points to God's character and God's promises. God's character and God's promises. God will guide you along the right paths that are in keeping with his character. God will guide you along the right paths just as he promised. And then in verse 4, the psalm takes an interesting turn. Despite the abundance of food and water provided by the shepherd, life still has its dangers. And we know that's true, don't we? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, 
You might be familiar with the King James Version. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, why the difference? I mean, the, sh- the valley of the shadow of death sounds a lot more ominous, doesn't it, than the darkest valley. Well, the Hebrew word there is a compound word that literally joins together shadow and death. But here's the deal. It nearly, it's nearly always used in a, as a figure of speech uh, to mean utter darkness. Uh, it's a place that you might say is as dark as death. And if you're a sheep and you're walking through this utterly dark valley, you might get a little skittish. I mean, who knows what predator might be lurking around behind the bush uh, or, or, or around a rock. But the sheep chooses to be not afraid. Why? He said, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Notice, the first three verses of, of this psalm are about the shepherd. And then starting in verse 4, the psalmist speaks to the shepherd. So it shifts from being a testimony about God to a prayer to God. And I can just see the sheep walking through that dark valley, huddling tightly to the shepherd. I will fear no harm because you are with me. And when it says you are with me, that again reminds us of Jesus, doesn't it? At the beginning of Matthew's gospel, uh, Jesus is announced as Emmanuel, which means God with us. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, I am with you always. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod and staff were implements that a, that a shepherd carried. The rod was a club, kind of. I mean, think of an ancient baseball bat. <laughs> and, and it could be used as a weapon against predators. In the, in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, David tells how, as a shepherd, uh, when a lion or a bear came to attack the flock and carried off a sheep, well, he went after it, and he struck it with his shepherd's rod. And... Uh, uh, so, so he, he killed the predator and saved the life of the sheep. And so the, the shepherd might, might carry this club, his shepherd's club, st- stuck, tucked into his belt. Now, the, the shepherd's staff is different. It's, it's, it's longer, taller, and it's got that typical shepherd's uh, hook to it. But, so it, it can be used as a walking stick, but its main function is to pull straying sheep back into the right direction. And I think, you know, that's what Jesus does. Jesus pulls me back when I'm off track because he's my good shepherd. Now, he's not going to force you to go against your will, but, but he's always gently guiding you, pulling you back into the flock. Let's say this one, shall we? Jesus pulls me back when I'm off track. And then in verse 5, the metaphor switches. Instead of the uh, the Lord being uh, the shepherd, now the Lord is the host. Uh, It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So earlier, beginning of the psalm, uh, the, the Lord was a shepherd who provided the food of green pastures. 
And now the Lord prepares a table of food for his followers. I've always been a little puzzled why it says, in the presence of my enemies. I mean, why are the enemies present? Why are they there? Some scholars see this as um, something like a victory banquet following a battle. And the enemies are present, but only as captives. They watch from a distance, and they are not allowed to interfere. And the next part speaks of two blessings. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Ancient Middle Eastern uh, custom was that if you were a guest at somebody's house and they really wanted to honor you, then and they would anoint your head with olive oil. Doesn't that seem weird? Yeah. But to, but to them, it was a big deal. Very important. And anointing uh, could also mean that you are chosen. Chosen by God. Every king of Israel and Judah was anointed with oil as a way of saying, God has chosen you. God has chosen you to bless your people, to bless his people. You know, Jesus said something very similar to his disciples. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus picks you and blesses others through you. And when you have a, a cup that's overflowing with, uh, with blessing, the most natural thing to do is to share your abundance, is to pass that blessing on to others. And so here I got another one. Jesus picks me to pass blessings through. I know that's a little awkward. It's the best I could do. All right? But say it with me, will you? Jesus picks me to pass blessings through. And then we come to verse 6. You with me? Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So it tells of these, these two qualities, characteristics of God. And the first is goodness. And good here means the opposite of evil. All right? God is, is thoroughly good and not at all evil. That is one of the foundational messages of the Bible. It is the good news. Uh, God is good through and through, uh, all the time, never changing. God is good. And the word love comes from a very important Hebrew word, uh, hesed. I think maybe the Hebrew said chesed, something like that. And, and hesed means, um, it, most of the time in the New International Version, it's translated unfailing love. It means God's loyal love, his, his promise-keeping love, his merciful love. Uh, the King James Version often translated hesed as mercy. And these two qualities of God, his goodness and his unfailing love I mean, you find them over and over and over in the Psalms. And it says that God's goodness and God's unfailing love will follow me all the days of my life. And they, you know, that word follow can be also translated uh, pursue. So just as enemies pursue you to bring you harm, God's goodness and love 
pursue you to bring you blessing. Isn't that a neat thing to think about? That God is pursuing you with his love and his goodness. And the psalm ends with a statement of assurance. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the Old Testament, uh, this might mean that the psalmist is going to keep returning to the temple to worship God as long as he or she lives. It might mean that the psalmist is going to stay close to God in his word and in prayer uh, all of his or her days. Now, I think all those have meaning for us, but as New Testament people, uh, we can take it even farther. Uh, We're going to stay connected to God's family and be in fellowship with God's people, the church. And when our days here on earth are done, and when we leave this life, we will be with the Lord forever. I'd like to, I'd like to end by sharing with you uh, a rewriting of the 23rd Psalm that I worked on a few years ago. Uh, it was during a time when um, I was seeing a counselor and uh, it was, I decided I would do this as sort of part of my therapy of what I had learned and what I wanted to affirm. And so I decided to make it as personal for me as I could, but without changing the core meaning of, of any of the psalm. Um, so I decided to let go of the, of the sheep and shepherd metaphor. Um, so it spoke more directly into my life. And uh, I, I, I shared it with my counselor and uh, gave her a copy, and she told me that later she shared it with a number of her clients. Um, so here it is. Jesus, today I live in your house. Here I am content. You give me time to rest. You sustain me with all I need. You soothe my soul. You lead me to make healthy, holy decisions, just as you promised. When I feel overwhelmed, I respond calmly and courageously because you're at my side. When I'm attacked or abandoned, you are there to defend and comfort me. You spread a table of blessing before me, but my accusers are not allowed in. You pick me to serve you and let your blessing flow to others. I live confidently knowing that your beautiful faithful love will never let me go all day every day I will live in your house let's pray oh God what a great way that you have revealed yourself to us for who you really are And you use this metaphor of a shepherd and a host to to tell us of your, your care for us 
your goodness, your, your desire to bless us. And so, Lord, we, we want to receive all of that. We want to know you in this way. And, Jesus, we thank you for being that embodiment of the good shepherd, that you would care for us enough that you would, you would even lay down your life for us. Lord, we are amazed at love like that. And we're so thankful to be a part of your flock, a part of your people in this movement that is transforming lives and transforming the world. And Lord, we want to continue to, to be the, the people that you pick to let that blessing pour out to others. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We give glory to your name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you. And, we all, and all God's people said, Amen.